Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Here we go. Yay! Woo! It's taking it on, Jay. Not to make our president, but he is, okay? 
The venom spewing in the streets was waiting to kill America. You, you now see what was beneath the war of words and hostile legislation. None of us can really say when pure evil overtook the Democratic Party, <laughs> at least the part demanding the Democratic process be overturned for their benefit. From the way their people are rioting in the streets, we can see how God saved us, and he will do it again. We were bullied with inane hate crime legislation, and today we witness some of the vilest examples of what they mean by hate aimed at us. We forget that legislation, I'll tell you what, many Christians didn't even know because they didn't want to know. If you don't want to know the truth right now, it's because you want to be deceived. It is so readily accessible to find the truth and to find information. And so legislation was going to be pushed through by the Democratic Party against the body of Christ. They made no apologies for it. In fact, this information was not hidden. But when you reveal that to many saints, they will say, I didn't know, or I don't care. Christians, I don't care. And she said, if this election is overturned, we will never get a chance to overturn another. Now, at this time, they were initiating the recounts and, and still going through all of that. You know, that, how long did that go on? For about a year? People of God pray as if your faith depends on it because it does. Stand your ground and enforce God's will in this heinous spiritual warfare. And at that time, she said, join me Tuesday night when I uncover why they're really rioting in the streets. And she did, Dr. Price did a broadcast on that. This was in 2016. We are still here in 2019. I hope every saint knows and has enough wisdom and discernment to see this is not about a man. This is a war of the gods to see which, war, which god is ultimately going to rule from the high places this nation. Because this doesn't make any kind of sense. Even with the, the uh, impeachment hearings and everything you're seeing, there's, what are we talking about here? This is a complete, complete demonic move to take out America. Taking it on with Paula Price. She has always taken on the issues. She's always taking on issues for the Lord Jesus Christ, for his church. This isn't about us. This isn't about our own personal gain. Because, And she has said this multiple times, especially in the last four years. If this kingdom goes under, then what are we talking about as a church? Churches, we know what it's going to cease to exist. Your own personal feelings about won't matter. Fill in the blank. It won't matter because legislation will come down so hard on us, we are going to wonder if we are still in the United States of America. That is the agenda. Do your homework. Think. Don't just feel. And think. Please think with God's mind. Praise the name of Jesus. All right. Had to get that out. Had to get that out. That's right. Had to get that out. Because this is taking it on Thursday. These are sober times that we are in. These are serious times that we are in right now. Who would have thought? that we as the body of Christ would be here on so many issues. So many issues, yet here we are. We are here. X months. What's coming up in the world of Dr. Paula Price next week? Huh, it's next week. It's our new era of leadership. Stop it. Here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, rise of the mighty ones. Do you understand why we need to be mighty right now? My God today, be mighty. Be in Tulsa. Make it happen. Okay? Dr. Paul Price is, of course, our headliner, spearhead, champion, pioneer, number one. All of it. 
exactly, all of it. Dr. Paula Bryce, I will be a keynote speaker, as well as Bishop Brian Keith Williams, keynote speaker. God has pulled the team together. We have other things going on. Thursday night, Wednesday night, is our Dignitary Center keynote. Uh, Bishop Brian Keith Williams, he's speaking twice at the event. He is speaking at the dinner. And then, again, during the event, we have our Dignitary Center that's 50 I think it's $55 for the dinner. In addition to your registration, we feed you. It's a dinner. We feed you at the hotel. Thursday night, Dr. Price is doing a State of the Kingdom address. My, my, my. My, my. That is That session is free and open to the community. Yeah, she hasn't done one in a few years. She used to do them every year, but you know what? There are some things that need to be addressed in the kingdom. My God. From his perspective. Not just to talk and to start fights, but from his perspective. That will be open to the community. That's free. There's no registration charge. We want as many people to come and listen to the state of the kingdom. What is going on right now? From eternity in the now, what is happening? Friday night, also another free event. We have a praise and worship concert open to the community as well. Uh, our, our summits tend to be more community open. June is closed training, but the summit opens up to the community as well because we are kingdom. We're reaching out into the kingdom. We want you to come up to the summit, come up to the high places of what God is doing. Dr. Price wrote this amazing letter. I'm going to talk about it. Wrote this amazing letter to us as keynote speakers about what a summit is. And honestly, if you have not gone up to the high places to visit the Lord, you're really not having a summit. You are having a conference. You're having a gathering. A lot of things have been named summits since Dr. Christ started Apostolic Summits. She was the first one that I ever saw to have an apostolic summit. And now, 15, 20, about 20 years later, 19, 20 years later, lots of summits rolling around. She did it first. We have prophetic summits, apostolic summits, anything, everything, we're going to tag it, summit. But truly, <laughs> a summit is not just rolling out prophetic or apostolic information. It is much deeper and much more involved than that. And really, you have to have some credentials in order to go to the summit. So we want you to come out and join us as we, you know, our Moses here has been to the mountaintop with the Lord. We're trying to get halfway there. Right. You know, the crew that can only go halfway, <laughs> we'll be right here. You see a lot of trembling, a lot of shaking. You know, when you be, if you're going to meet God at the top of the mountain, there's a lot of shaking, a lot of trembling, a lot of fear. <laughs> the fact that Moses didn't die, but anything else who touched the mountain did, says a whole lot about where Moses sat with God. Amen. And so a whole lot of people talk about they've been up there with the Lord. They have not. They have not. They have not. But that's something else altogether. So we're here taking it on Thursday. We're taking it on Paul Price. And we're going to do a recap of season one of Taking It On. Today's episode that I want to highlight since it is Taking It On Thursday is episode three where she addressed why bad things happen to good people. Wow. You know, when we were in the, when she was shooting the show, it's so hard to compose yourself because you need to be quiet because you're recording and it's the television and it's all professional. But I tell you what, we wanted to fall out. We couldn't. So I fell out when I watched it again today in my office. She, she addressed why bad things happen to good people. Season one. 
Taking It All with Paula Price is a 30-minute television show. And it's a talk show. It's not a sermon. Now, season two, we will have all kinds of variations in season two. It's not going to be the mirror image of season one. Because our vision for this show is huge. Huge, huge, huge. And like any show, season one is getting the idea out. Everything else after that is taking it to the limit. When you go back and watch season one of your favorite show, unless it's still in season one, then you will see, oh, wow, I forgot. It started out like that because it has grown into this and grown into that. Season one is laying the foundation, the inception of taking it on with Paula Price, and every single episode is power-packed with it. What is it that we are taking on? And so in episode three, she took on why bad things happen to good people. Why am I telling you this? Because it varies from uh, she took on yoga in season one. She took on Christians working with secular artists. She took on domestic violence in the church, women in ministry, the origin of sin, the origin of Christianity. She talked about abuse. Are you abusing your children? Ah, you know, you don't even know it. Parental danger and harm to your kids. You're unaware. Uh, she did Why Bad Things Happen to Good People, part one and two. She came back later on in the season with part two. And on and on the list goes. Can you tell I work in the show a little bit? Yeah. Just a wee bit. Very exciting. So in this, she said, and she kicked off by saying, when tragedy strikes, why do Christians have to answer for it? In any other context, our God isn't real. You're crazy. You're flaky for serving God, for being a Christian. You're so rigid. You're so ever. Destruction happened. Where was God? And Dr. Paula Price was the first and probably only person at this point, out, you know, in our camp, I have heard say, which God are you talking about? Are we talking about Allah? He's out there. A lot of people serving him. Are we talking about Brahma? Zeus? Baal? Roll call. Who, why is it that all of a sudden the Christian preachers have to answer for a disaster when in every other circumstance, we're dismissed, and it doesn't matter. Something to think about. She said, people, then she went into ah, the things we don't want to accept or think about. And she said, people do things to other people. When we're talking about why bad things happen to good people, and we'll see somebody, our neighbor, a relative, a family member, something bad happens to them. And we go to God. They are such a good person. But we don't know what they did in their youth. You don't know what they did last week. She said on the show, maybe they hate people in college. See, we want to forget life before Christ. We want to dump what we did as teenagers and middle school children and college, dumb college kids, drunk, high, all over the place. We want to forget all of that when we go. See, we want to forget those things, put those things behind us, right? That's when we want to run on that scripture. Forgetting those things which are behind. But those things have to be answered for. And she ran it down, and I thought, ooh. I mean, I today I know people whose kids are bullied in school. And on the surface, it's like, this is just terrible. But guess what? They were bullied in school. And so their child is not a bully. But that thing came back full circle on the children. And many times people don't want to remember. They don't want to accept. Well, I wouldn't say it was a bully. I was just being honest. 
I was just being truthful. I was just letting them know. Right. And they were terrified to come out of their house, scared to go to class, getting sick every day in the bathroom, hiding out because of you or your gang of friends. So what was good? Was it good? We have a whole trail of actions that we have to be held accountable for. She said that people have raped people at these parties, on dates, taken advantage of, molested other people, children, you don't know. Stolen things, broken things, robbed people, taking their ideas, not giving them credit for it, all on and on and on and on it goes. It doesn't have to be straight up murder, although there are people who have killed people, and nobody knows it but them and God and the devil that empowered them to do it. And so she said, People may be good to you, but not good to God. They may be good to you, but not good to other people. They may be good. Well, they always shovel my driveway when it snows, and they always cut my grass and take out my trash. That's great. They were good to you. And you know what? Just like that serial killer is typically very good to their family, uh, a, a shining star in the community many times, and it's always the person they least suspect. Why is that? Because on the surface, they're a good person. Right, audience? Good person. If we're honest about ourselves, we can see we did some not so good things in our life. And when the righteousness, there's an amen, there's an honest person in the book. (laughs) All right? Told people off. Cussed them out. Maybe you didn't cuss them out, but they felt cussed out by the time you were done with them. Ripped them to shreds. Left them crying in a corner. Never went back to fix it. Never went back to heal, restore, or anything like that. You just keep it moving. Just keep it moving. You just need to come up and keep it moving. All that has to be answered for. And so she talked about that. She said, know what is, what is a good person versus what is a good deed. That's the drop the mic. Good person versus good deed. We have a lot of people who do rotten, terrible, ungodly things as they try and buy off the Lord and appease their conscience by doing good deeds. Taking care of the sick, helping the homeless, beating your wife, abusing your children, robbing people blind. On and on and on it goes. And who, who knows what else? With the Internet now, people commit all manner of crimes. And no, nobody knows on that dark web. And when she said that no one is a good person versus a good deed, I tell you what, that is the, that's, the, that's the statement that takes the wind out of your sails. Because we think only good people can, you have to be good to do good. Good, what we call good. You know, that's why the Lord deals with righteous and unrighteous. People cry when they lie. She talks about how they lie. They cry, 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 cry to engender your emotions, to get your sympathy all up there. Because, again, we don't think that people manipulate. I mean, but they were just crying. They were just so upset. They just, you know, and Dr. Paula Price is breaking down. She's like, here's your Kleenex. We're going to finish this. We're going to finish this right now. Look, anybody who's been on the other side of that and is chuckling in this room right now, I know you're crying. Your tears are because you're afraid. Your tears, these are angry tears. You're mad. 
because you're being called out on the carpet right now, actually. <laughs> These aren't even tears of conviction. These are tears of rage, crying because you're caught, crying because you can't get out of it, crying because you can't yell at somebody and get away with it. whole lot of reasons that we cry. Crying because that's the thing that you use to get out and manipulate your way out of, of uh, consequences your whole life. Not here. I want you to know. Lesson. She said, stop making it our God's fault that people don't like him. I've had people tell me, you think everybody likes you. They don't like you. I don't care. Now, I don't set out to be disliked. You know, that's not a campaign. But bless the Lord, if you don't like me because I'm doing my job, then that's on you. We're in protocol and we're pleasant and professional and appropriate. There are some people who aren't going to like you just because they don't like you or they don't like what you represent, likewise with God. Well, how can he? It is not our responsibility to see to it that people like our God. This is how we got in this mess in the first place. We started whitewashing and lying on his character, which only makes people dislike him more when they find out who he really is, just like anything else. She talked about Jonah. She said, goodness is not a uh, God's goodness is not based on deeds. And then she said, a lot of bad things should happen. <laughs> no, that should have happened. And uh, and I will say this last statement, and we'll bring, because she looks like she's ready. And, uh, she said, a lot of bad things should happen. Do your homework. All gods are not created equal. And on that statement, <laughs> I will introduce the host of Taking It On, but Taking It On with Paula Price show, Dr. Paula Price. We have a lineup today. Like I said, we have our regular broadcast right now, our normal broadcast. We will be back, Dr. Price, will, at 3 p.m. with another broadcast about Christians and politics, and this is the perfect, perfect season to do so. And then one more session after that with Chief Prophet Tyler Price and another business guest. And the 3 o'clock one, if you are one who wants to put uh, or are interested in or part of a uh, watch force in your city, <coughs> guardian force in your area, you don't want to miss that because that's what this man has done and he's doing. And, you know, a lot of people are doing it. And he's taking not so much the ministerial approach as much as the political guardianship. And so I'm excited about having him. Make sure you have people on. Don't miss that. And then our next one is a guy who said he was put out of his house as a husband for 12 bucks, and he's now a millionaire. Now, see, that's a comeback plan. That's a comeback plan. We're going to talk about the comeback plan. We're going to talk about comeback. And so I definitely want you to come back. And as usual, this will be on our um, Taking It On site. Yes. You'll be able to do it. You'll want to share it. In Taking It On, I, I decided to not just confine us to the church because apostles and prophets predate the church. Write that down. Apostles and right. prophets predate the church, which is why the church can't regulate them. Because they were the ones, they were the legislators and enactors that laid down God's law for the church to enter into. See, we think that, you know, especially when we've heard it, that your pastor 
you know, I always have a test. I ask people, I'll ask our studio audience, well, they probably know. But I, I, I have a question. I want you to post your answer. How many times does the New Testament address pastors? I want you to go and put your numbers up there. One man said to me 280-something times. I said, you counted that? Oh, bless you. Wow. <laughs> yes, you did. Bless you, bless you, bless you. And so you need to realize that. Now, as opposed to how many times the New Testament mentions prophet, 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 apostle, apostle, Paul, the 12, you understand that it's our day. This is our bailiwick. All of it is. Our job is to get from the throne and bring it to God's people, to his nation. And that's what we do. So a lot of you all are walking around saying, you know, I just don't believe in apostles and I don't believe in prophets. And you don't, don't believe in the Bible. It's just that simple. We don't have to have a long debate over that. You know, many times, you know, people throw things out there. Like they say they don't like you. You're like, so what am I supposed to do, run and hide? Right. Oh, go to God crying they don't like me? That is, you're not liking us is your issue, not ours. We like God and we love his people. We love what we do, and we love it a lot. But your issue, so you need to think about that. Or people saying that we're wrong, apostles are not for today, is probably the least member, the least mentioned member of the five fold who said that. <laughs> Go ahead. Somebody needed to do it. It just needed to be done. So I'm going to tell you right now, you can tell, your, your church can say we're a biblical church, we're a Bible-believing church. It can say that because they do. But I want you to begin because I'm going to give you criteria for a Bible-believing church and a biblical church. Oh, no, we're a biblical church. So-and-so Bible church, you know, rewrote the whole Bible. So I don't know whose Bible you're on, but I know it's not the Bible of the Scripture. Because the Scripture says first apostle, secondarily prophet, thirdly teacher. You see, so the church hasn't been in divine order for eons. For decades, we have not been in divine order. And you can say it, you know, when people tell me, but that's just not divine order. And I ask you to structure your church. You start with your pastor. I know you don't have a clue about what divine order is. I'm going to start with my pastor. No, your pastor can set divine order in his or her church to govern his or her congregation, but they cannot set order for the kingdom. And that is the difference. Kingdom order congregational order, two different things. We're going to have classes on that. I'm doing, we're going to, these are the things that I'm giving you a taste of next week so you can get that ticket while it's still cheap. And you can fly. And if you can't fly, get a bunch of friends and make it a road trip. Yeah. And, and from what I understand, the road trips are made. You know, the people, they stop, you have fun, you laugh, you pray, you talk in tongues. So you need to be here next week. When I do the state of the kingdom, you need to be here to hear that. No, it will not be broadcasted. We don't broadcast our events for, because we honor and regard the people who pay 
to be here and pressed to be here. People who pray for God to work miracles. People who wanted to be here and had no money and worked it out. People who made tough decisions and tough calls to be here. So I, I refuse to diminish their sacrifice, their press by this and all, all right, everybody comes. No, Mm-mm, I don't do it. My events go into my university, and you will pay for it. So you're going to pay either coming or you're going to pay into the university. But pay won't happen. And I'll tell you something else, because I know I need to say this, because you know you got a lot of folks who, again, people who didn't receive the word of God. See, the word of God did not come to pastors, did not come to evangelists, did not come to teachers. It came to prophets first and apostles second. And then when the New Testament was being birthed, it came to apostles. And apostles handed it off to two people, number one prophets and number two bishops. That's divine order. We've been talking divine order and whatever, and just because the people who launched this move did not have the fullness of the revelation and the dispensation that would come from it doesn't mean that they were not valid. It just means that they had not yet come to the fullness of the knowledge because God starts with the seed. Everybody knows that God starts with the seed, so we have the seed group. A lot of people, I call them the inseminators and the disseminators. So we got the seed group, and he said first the seed and then what? And all of those are groups of people. God uses a lot of allegories for people. And then the full ear. We are now coming into the era of the full ear corn. So they were wrong, and neither are we. And those who held the fort in between were not wrong either. We just each had a portion. One soul, another water. And God gives the increase. We're coming into the increase of God's apostleship, of God's divine order as he dispatched it to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good to know? See, you want God to tell you your purpose, and you won't know what he's talking about anyhow. Because you have to prepare to receive from God. That's what we're talking about today. So I want to encourage you, be here next week. If you think you're part of God's future, then you need to be groomed as his mighty one who will run with that future. And I tell you, he's got a lot on his mind, and you're, you're going to walk away with a lot on your plate. And isn't that wonderful? Shiver by Give me a shiver by So today, we're going to talk about... <clears throat> Figuring God out. That ought, to, that ought to move somebody. Can anybody figure out the Lord? Like, what is he doing? How many times have you asked yourself, what is he doing? You know, we've had that experience for the last several decades. But let's just look at the present uh, uh, national climate. What is God doing? Where is God in this? And where is God in that? And how can I find out? How can I figure out God? And so I just laid a foundation that you may not have noticed paved the way for this discussion. 
God, divine order. First of all, the church is not going to produce what God wants until it gets in divine order. And divine, divine order is establishment order. Divine order is foundational order. Divine order is prototypical order. Divine order is archetypical order. And now I'm not speaking what's not in the word of God, but since the church has, been, has extracted what it wants for, for congregations, the local church, we have local church theology trying to run kingdom. Now, you know that's good. I need to slap something. Don't I have a slapper here? There you go. I needed to slap something. And so we have been running on local church theology. We've been running on shepherd theology. Shepherds don't come in until the, the, the sheep are born and are gathered. But who is impregnating, who is, is uh, developing and creating the sheep? A great organization, a good organization, I won't even say great, a good organization always lays out the schematics. They schematize what that organization is going to do based on its calling and its purpose. And then they identify those who will become members of that organization. Once they understand and they have typified the members, they then go in to government and they lay out the government. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, the government shall be upon his shoulders. So before there was a church, there was a nation. And before there was a nation, there was an eternity, eternal civilization. Write that down. Before there was a church, there was a nation. And before there was a nation, there were eternal civilizations. Hebrews said that God made the worlds plural through Jesus Christ. Not just all of the worlds in a particular planet or universe, but he made many universes in all of these worlds. And he's managing them. What is he doing? Dr. Christ, how is he manager? That's why he has an innumerable company of angels. He got to put these people apart. He brought them into existence. He got to do something. And if you're eternal, you better have something eternal to do. You know, even the devil's eternal. So God has out-of-time organizations, civilizations, and he has in-time organizations and civilizations. So you need to be very clear on that. And to be a founding apostle means to not pick up what's been going on. See, we think a founding apostle is a person who just plants churches. Apostles were apostles before churches were born. So church plants cannot be our highest credential. Well, I've got 1,500 churches, and so do the bishops, and so do a lot of pastors, a lot of missionaries. So how do you distinguish what you do in the churches you plant from those that everybody is planting? Because God's not just telling one group to plant churches. He needs a lot of churches. So he's going you, you know, to plant me something. So there has to be an understanding of that. But the, the, the idea, the purpose of this discussion is that you would know that a quality organization, institution, kingdom, or realm is all established legitimately 
institutionally, constitutionally, before they invite people in. Because if they're not, they're a vacuum and people will come in and do what they want to do. Many of you apostles, you lost your churches because the first thing you did was put a pastor over it. So you founded something new. You did what God told you to do. And then after you did it, you acted like a man with a one-night stand. You dropped your seed and left it. And that one-night stand church planting doesn't work for God because the people must be converted. And so until you convert, because somebody can do that now, you sit inside of our pastor. You're sitting right now <clears throat> trying to find a pastor for the ch- a church you planted. And in your mind, you have to get on to the next church so you can get on to the next one-night stand. So you can have a bunch of children running around, snotty-nosed, wet diapers, hungry, dirty, and sloppy, talking about these are my sheep. So I'm going to tell you, if you're going to do that, it it is a big mistake. I bring you that word out of the very mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That will be a big miss on your part, because that's why so many of these churches they say they're apostolic, but there's no difference from between them and the evangelical word faith charismatic houses. They're all the same because you, in, you literally imported their language, imported their doctrine and theology into your new church, and you tagged the apostle on it. You tagged the prophet on it. You just, just tagged it. And now, you know, you're off because to you, dropping seed is more important than raising sheep. Apostolically raising sheep. And so we had up there, oh, yeah, God, you just go plant a church. I guess you can tell a man that came up with that. It's just drop a seed and go. Drop a seed and go. Don't look back. Don't figure out what's happening to them. Oh, yeah, I went back to visit all my churches, and they're all doing okay. Are they really? You don't even know them. And so then, so the minute that church is born, you figure, I spent 20 days here, 30 days here, on and on. Um, so it's time for me to go. I spent a year, two years. You know, souls grow slowly. And then you, what are you looking for? A pastor. And you, you know what you're looking for? A pastor from your old move. And pretty soon, you can't get in that church any longer. You have been literally far from the church you founded.
Thank <laughs> you. 